0: I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatchery Store and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. hatch.co slash CBC.
1: Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another
0: episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. I am so excited to record this episode, Julie.
1: I actually can't believe how excited I am to be recording this. No, like last
0: week, we floated the idea to you guys. You think we should watch Love is Blind? You think we should recap it? And the response was an overwhelming hell fucking yes. So we did it. We binged
1: it. And I am just so thrilled to be doing this. I know I said this last week, and I knew exactly this was going to happen, but I am so glad that A, we floated the idea, and B, that everyone was so enthusiastic about us doing this episode because I know that I wouldn't have watched without it, and I am so glad that I did.
0: No, a thousand percent. It's like I needed the episode to hold me accountable to actually watch.
1: And then, by the way, I watched it two times. So, did I?
0: Because when I first was like, all right, I got to watch these nine episodes, it felt like a big undertaking. And I knew I was going home this weekend. So, I called my dad. I was like, I'm coming home this weekend. I'm going to have to watch this show. Do you want me to wait to start with you or should I just start? And he was like, no, definitely just start. I'll come in wherever you are. I was like, you're not just coming in wherever I am. Like, you have homework. You got to start watching while I start watching. Obviously, I ended up finishing the whole thing in a day. But when I came home, he was on episode four and he was ready to watch. Like, obviously, I was going to watch with him. So, we sat down and
1: (laughs) ended up watching it two times through. The concept of him watching on his own is maybe one of the funniest things that I can envision. Because I, if you told me that you guys watched it together and he got really into it, 100%, I believe it. Him putting on Netflix and watching it entirely by himself is absolutely killing me. No, but not just watching it, also like really knowing what was going on. Like
0: (laughs) I came home, we turned in episode four and he's like, The second he heard about the daughter, he was off. (laughs) Like, like, yes. And then Trevor comes on. He's like,
1: oh, it's Trevor. You don't know your heart's about to get broken. (laughs) No, I I actually, I'm so upset that we didn't all watch it together. I know, but you know what? We can have that experience right now.
0: And I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, I don't really know the best way to do this. Julie made a killer outline that is every couple organized by episode, by main plots. But like, realistically, I think it's going to be a lot of us just talking. And I feel like our
1: general plan is to kind of go through couple by couple, but who knows what's going to happen. Before we get into the specifics and the specific couples, do you have any just top line thoughts about this season that you want to share? Yes, but I actually have a kind of more general
0: caveat that I want to make, which is actually to you. I mean, I have something I want to say to everyone as well, just to like Get our mind straight going in. But specifically to you, I know you thoroughly enjoyed this based on the way we were texting. Like we both could not believe how much we loved it, which by the way, we should have believed it given how glued we were season one. But I just feel like we have to go in, obviously acknowledging that it's very much a reality show that's highly produced. And like just take that at face value because I could certainly see a world in which you are so deeply cynical about every single one. And like, I don't want that for you. I just want you to
1: go in and, and be happy. Okay. It's like, like, I understand. (laughs) And I obviously, I, I get it. The thing that I kept saying to you while I was watching is that there was no point in time watching this show where I forgot that it was a reality television show. Like there are times, right, where you'll watch a reality TV show and you'll get so invested in it and so invested in a couple that like, you forget for a second that like, oh, this is a produced reality TV show. I never for one second forgot that. And I think it's because the marriage element of it was so on the table and so distracting for me. And also because there was not one single couple that I was actually rooting for, except for maybe Johnny and Amy. Like I, I could get on board with them totally. So it's not so much that I am approaching this from like a very cynical point of view. I just think we're kind of all on the same page about this. no.
0: Uh, no, a thousand percent. But that's what I'm saying. Like the general premise of the show is factually insane. Not even necessarily the love is blind portion. Like I personally don't agree with that, but I'm down for an experiment. It's more so this marriage commitment. And I get, you know, it's part of the whole shtick. Like I- I'm I'm down for it. But I do think that it adds this really bizarre kind of pressure, which I guess the counter argument to that is like, yeah, but they need something like that in order for, it to have the air of them taking it so seriously. I just agree with you that I do find it distracting, which is why like, I want us to both do our best at removing that because it is very hard to talk about this seriously knowing that like, it's such a ridiculous
1: concept. Agreed. And I'm glad that we're getting this portion of the programming out before we get into it because it was overwhelmingly distracting for me. And I think what happened is that they pigeonholed themselves with it season one And it became the premise of the show and therefore they couldn't then remove it. But I felt this way watching it season one too, where I was like, they could have done this exact same thing, the exact same layout, the pods, the vacation back to living together and just removed the marriage element. And Also, by the way, if they needed that timeline of like, okay, you're living together for four weeks and then this major thing happens, an engagement could have come at the end of those four weeks. I still can't wrap my head around why it needs to be a full fledged marriage. It actually cheapens the show because I feel like the whole concept is to really buy into this idea that they are legit couples. But like, I'm sorry, when they're like questioning their love for each other, I'm like, yeah, of course you guys should be questioning your love for each other. You guys just met the other day. Well, I actually agree that that's possibly
0: a way they could transition the show, meaning an engagement would be the thing that comes at the end of the four weeks. Because by the way, let's say the in-pod commitment they were making is that they were, quote, leaving the show together. That's still a big deal to live with someone you barely know for four weeks. Like, to me, that would have the same level of, not intensity,
1: but that that would carry some umph for sure. Right. Like, I think that change would genuinely fix the show. But also... To counteract what they do wrong in the sense of the marriage thing, I just want to add one element of what I think they do really right in the show, which is I think the fact that they take people all from the same city and have them then living in that city adds the most important layer of the show because I know we're going to wait and we're going to get into it. But when Jeremy and Laura are having that conversation, which I know we'll get into, but they're talking about his night out at the bars, the potential to run into people from the pods, exes from the pods, like to me, that was the smartest decision they ever could have made.
0: I so agree with that because for a show that generally speaking lacks, feels like it's rooted in reality in some ways,
1: that is a very grounding piece to me. Another thing that I want to say before we start is that I saw a tweet, which I feel like really sums up the entire vibe of the show. And it was like, watching the show feels like a high school couple that took the project of raising an egg way too seriously, like a whole neck project. Yeah, (laughs) exactly that energy. Huge you stealing the egg in the library vibe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Huge me stealing the egg in the library vibe. Okay. I mean, I I know we keep saying before we start, before we start, I guess like, bitch, we started. (laughs) This is... (laughs) Like, I told you it was going to be a free-for-all because as much as you did the most beautiful outline, I obviously just want to talk about everything. And also, like, let me just, no bullshit. Obviously, we are going to be as honest as possible in our reactions. Like, duh, this is the first time you and I are even really talking about this. But, like, obviously there's some shit when you're watching the show that you only can say with your friends in a group chat. You just can't say on a podcast. So, like, I just, I have to say that. I have to say that because, you know? Yeah.
1: But I'm prepared yeah, like, to push it as much as possible. No,
0: I'm obviously prepared to push it as much as possible, but like, you know.
1: So All where right. do you want to start?
0: I feel like we have to start with Chelsea and Jimmy. And I'm not saying that starting with them means we won't talk about them a million more times, but it just feels like we got to go there first. I think so too.
1: <laughs> 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 the words of, <laughs>
0: <laughs> in the words of my dad, this whole thing's a fucking disaster. And... That is exactly what is happening here for one million reasons. I think, you know, let's just take it back for a second. Obviously, this isn't going to be a recap. If you're listening to this, you watch the show. But like, I do feel we have to go back to the pods for a moment to say, up until Jessica mentioning her daughter, Autumn, I do really feel like they were pretty even. I I didn't feel like Jessica was very much ahead. I didn't feel that Chelsea was very much ahead. I, I really did feel that Jimmy was being authentic when he said he was drawn to both of them. So we first have Jessica mentioning her daughter, Autumn, which by the way, is so crucial that she did. She's like the most important thing in her entire life. And she would never want to be with someone that couldn't accept her having a daughter. And as much as Jimmy said he was okay with it, wanted to be okay with it, he wasn't. He just factually was not okay with it. And so all of a sudden that was like a huge block for him, which we all know. So when you had that going on, right? And he was actively trying to work through that in his mind. I don't think he had chosen Chelsea at that point. I just think it she really went up a couple of pegs. But having that and then her mentioning the Megan Fox lookalike thing, th- that was it. You know, like it, that probably would have been it regardless, but given how torn up he was over Jessica's daughter,
1: it wasn't even a question. It was like she, she that was her secret weapon. He heard Megan Fox and genuinely could not get his mind to a different place. And I am not saying that if he was totally fine with Jessica having a daughter, or if Jessica didn't have a daughter at all, that he a hundred percent would have still picked Chelsea because of the Megan Fox comment. But like, I'm not saying he wouldn't have. Right. Not saying that he wouldn't have. And-
0: just in all fairness, she did not say, I look like Megan Fox. She said that she sometimes gets that she looks like Megan Fox, even though she doesn't see it, but just the dark hair and light eyes. I, I refuse to believe that she didn't know what she was doing with
1: that. I agree, of course. I well, first of all, <laughs> I think it is crazy to like apparently be told you constantly look like one person and then refer to that person by their lesser known partners. <laughs> relation to them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it was so crazy. Like, oh yeah, people are always telling me I look like Megan Fox. And then when it comes time to like say who you look like, you're like MGK's wife or girlfriend. I was like, where are we going with this? I'm like, even if you looked exactly alike, it would have been the craziest possible way to say that.
0: But okay. Can I tell you that to me was what gave it away as being the most intentional. Like when something is so intentional that you have to try to skirt around it to make it more casual. So right. you, you skirt around it by saying MGK's wife or girlfriend. When in the history of anything has Megan Fox been referred to as MGK's wife or girlfriend? If anything, MGK's referred to as Megan Fox's husband
1: or boyfriend. Of course, it was just like, yeah, you're right. It was entirely intentional and and used to be played as this like very coy dropping in casual conversation thing rather than like what she was kind of pulling out as a a secret weapon. I just felt like, well, you know what it is too, is that I actually didn't feel like their connection in the pod was anything. Like when it came time to it and he was like, I love Chelsea. She's the one I'm picking her over, Jessica. I'm like, where did this even come from other than the Megan Fox comment? So glad you asked. I mean, In my opinion, yes, it was the Megan Fox thing.
0: Obviously, that came after Jessica revealing her daughter Autumn, which, as we said, was a roadblock. But I also think it was the fact that, you know, Jessica, in her words, was direct with him, right? And like challenged him. Whereas with Chelsea, he walked into that pod and he felt safe. I think it was with Jessica where he made a comment about, you know, typically wanting to lead in a relationship. Whereas the energy Jessica was giving him was maybe a little bit more intense. And he felt like he could kind of control the situation a bit more with Chelsea. And I think that in a situation you already have so much, little control meaning like there's you know no visuals at play i feel that that gave him a sense of control because it was a dynamic he felt more familiar with do you feel like
1: he is as consciously manipulative of chelsea and how insecure she is as it comes off sometime or do you think it's that they were kind of the perfect storm of like what each of them lacks and wants of, like, kind of their worst qualities being brought out in each other, that it just kind of ended up that way. Okay. Well, so many thoughts, Julie. Like,
0: <laughs> this is so overwhelming, but in the best way. You know what I mean? No, I know. Okay. I, th- my first thing that I want to respond to that is like, I think it's really hard on a show where we're only being shown these people and some of them suck so badly to not view everyone on a sliding scale. Meaning if you were to ask me what I thought about Jimmy, just as Jimmy, it's a little bit of a different answer than what I think about Jimmy in the context of the rest of the cast. Cause you put Jimmy next to like a Jeremy and what a fucking day to be Jimmy, you know, whereas Jimmy on his own, he's certainly nothing to write home about. All of that being said, I don't think he's like Terrible. I don't think he's overly manipulative. I don't think he's the worst guy ever. I think that he is, (laughs) it's a little bit of like the double homicide thing. He's trying to convince her that he's into her while also trying to convince himself that he's into her. And the flip side of that is, while she's maybe not doing this as consciously or it doesn't come off that way, I think there's a part of her that's also convincing herself that she's into him. Because- She has said in the past, she typically goes for guys more like a Trevor. I mean, she doesn't know that at this moment that Trevor is that guy, but a bigger guy, like that is typically what she's drawn to. So the thing that's drawing her to him or that she has to hold on to, is the belief that he truly does adore her because that in and of itself is the thing that she wants the most. And second of all, I do not feel that this point can be emphasized enough. I truly feel this. The fact that at this moment, She's the only one here that knows what Jessica looks like, and I think for her, it was a, a major confidence boost that she quote beat out Jessica. And I think it's it's the combination of those things that is also taking place. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but that's partially what I feel is going on because, you know, when when Trevor says, "If I asked you first, would you have said yes?" and she doesn't respond, and he says. That's not so great, you know, for Jimmy's sake. I I fully believe that if Trevor were to have asked her first, she would have been right there.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I can't fully tell with them. I think just what the issue with with them is, is that they just bring out their worst qualities in each other. And I think that he can clearly see how, I mean, anybody can clearly see how deeply, deeply insecure she is. And that was one of the harder parts about watching too, is like, it's hard to watch somebody be their most insecure self on television because a lot of times when that insecurity comes out in a relationship, it's not until you're like looking back or you think about certain comments you made where I feel like you understand the full extent to the way like the insecurity takes over you. And so I feel like it's the kind of thing with Chelsea where like, in the moment she knew she was having these feelings of extreme insecurity, I don't think it's until she's going to watch it back where she's like, holy shit, the way that this overtook me is overwhelming to see. Like to me, that was so hard to watch. And I think that something with Jimmy is that the far kinder approach to Chelsea would have been to be honest with her and kind of just cut things off. Maybe when they got back from vacation, maybe while they were on vacation, being a little bit more honest, like, to hear him say, I love you in a way that is just like so insincere, but saying it to somebody who so badly needs to hear it for their own self-worth was like, I was like, I have to, I have to stop watching this. It's overwhelming. And I think that, I don't think he is consciously manipulative, but I think he was consciously aware of what that was doing to her.
0: No, I agree with that. I mean, like I said, I think it was both of them actively convincing themselves that they were as into it as they were, quote, supposed to be, which again goes back to the earlier point of this unnecessary added pressure of the marriage thing. But again, I guess that's kind of just the magic of reality TV and we have to remove that from the equation for a second. I do just want to say, because I feel really strongly about this, to the point of Chelsea being insecure, like, listen, fucking obviously, you know? it's You can see it so clearly. And even since the show has aired, she's gone on social media and she said, guys, I get it, yes. It's very insecure. It's been a year since the show came out. I have a therapist. Like I'm working through it. I think she used the term, you know, I'm a new woman now. Obviously, it's something she will have to continue to work through. But what I find to be really kind of unfair is like, yes, of course you're watching this, and there is a piece of what's going on that is very cringy. At the same time, I don't know when being so insecure became a quality that one gets like villainized for. The way people have taken that and made it as though she's this terrible person for being so deeply insecure is so bizarre to me. Like yes, it obviously makes it for a little bit of secondhand embarrassment, but like, think about how much harder it is to be having that than just to be witnessing it. You know, like people are so
1: fucking mean about that. Meanwhile, like, look at what some of these guys are doing. Well, the reason that villainizing that is such a strange response, I mean, it's a fucking bizarre response in general because it is not worth villainizing by any means, especially in the way that Chelsea portrayed it. But- I think it's an especially weird response because it's not like she was doing something that she was unaware of, right? It's not like we as the audience are picking up on this attribute that she has and being like, Ooh, she doesn't know it, but like, she's so, she's so insecure that it's, it's causing all of these other ripple effects to occur. Like she was very, very tuned into her insecurity. And I think she constantly was trying to combat that by saying exactly what it is that she needed. The, the, where her problem was, which is directly associated with the insecurity. And so it's not like you can have this expectation of her, but like she needed to say, okay, I'm not getting what I need out of this. Like I'm a deeply insecure person. I need to feel validated and you're just not validating me. And instead of trying to tell you how much I need to be validated, I'm just going to remove myself from the situation. That's where, you know, things got a little bit sticky, but she certainly didn't do anything wrong.
0: I also think there's a point where like the pendulum swings too far, meaning- Obviously communication is so important and expressing what you want and need is a huge thing, but it gets to a point when you're expressing something that you need, that you feel should be so second nature to the person that it gets into the territory of just like feeling dehumanizing. You know, like she was communicating things to him that if he truly, I I feel, if he truly felt for her, the way that he was acting as if he did It wouldn't have ever needed to be a conversation because it would have happened naturally. It wasn't happening naturally because he wasn't truly into it. By the way, the same way she wasn't truly into it. She was into
1: the idea of him being into her. I don't believe she was so into him. No, by no means. She was, well, okay, two things. She was into the idea of him being into her and choosing her over somebody else. She was also into the idea, like when she's sitting with all of her friends and she's like, yeah, he was the hot commodity. Like he was dating so many people. And then he picked me like that entire concept, even if it was done, quote, blindly, the entire fact that he went through this whole process, he was considered, quote, the hot commodity, even though it was really just her and Jessica. And then came out the other side wanting her was like, that's all she ever wanted. So It was one thing to let him go. It was another thing to let the being chosen go. Yes,
0: right, exactly. It wasn't so much about him, but that's what she was feeling so attached to. And also, and I know we are so jumping all over the place here, but I just need to go back to the reveal for a second because I think there you could really see that insecurity manifest itself in terms of some of her physical reactions. Because again, this was the first time that analyzing the body language between the two of them was even a thing. And- Listen, do I think she was genuinely so excited and wanted to hold him and kiss him and hug him? Yes. And also, I really felt that there was a part of her that was like keeping him so physically close as a way to delay him from being able to observe her fully. And I, let me be super fucking clear. I'm not, that's not like me saying that as me. I, that is what I saw with her. Every time he, they took a step back and he, you know, wanted to, like uh, observe her for the first time, I think that was highly anxiety provoking for her because then when they sit down, the first thing she's asking is, you know, are you happy? Are you happy? Do you like, like, am I what you expected? She really needed that. And do I think that she would have needed that regardless? Absolutely. But it was also her responding to him not fully giving it to her because that's not the way that one who genuinely was so overwhelmingly happy with quote, what he saw would have reacted. So it was like such
1: a lethal combination that was so, I felt really painful to watch. The reason they are the most interesting or analysis worthy couple is not because they're the only one with their issues. Of course, every single couple that came out of those pods had problems and issues and a whole lot of stuff worth analyzing. But the two of them were so on display and so, um, it was so impossible for them to hide the way that they were both feeling at every given moment. And especially with Jimmy where the second that he sees her, like, yes, he's excited to see her, but he also like has these moments where he is out loud saying to her, the thing that he's trying to convince himself, which is like, but it it doesn't matter what you look like. And like to meet somebody for the first time, be in the most vulnerable position of your life for Chelsea, who is already feeling that extreme level of anxiety, that extreme level of insecurity to then meet that person who you have now fallen in love with, who has never seen you before. And they're like, you're so gorgeous. You're so beautiful. All of the things that you want to hear. And then on top of that, you can hear the tone of the voice. Not that it would have mattered. It doesn't matter. I would, I would have, you know, I would have loved you regardless, like, but it, it doesn't matter. And it's like, I can hear the way that you're saying it. Like I can hear you convincing yourself while you're trying to convince me. And like, That to me was the most painful element of it. Like it was all downhill, obviously, from that first moment of them meeting, but that first interaction, that first time they looked at each other was like, oh, we are in for a bumpy ride here. No, like a lot of turbulence.
0: And when they get to the Dominican Republic and they're sitting down having that conversation and he mentions Jessica and says, yeah, and you know, she mentioned looks, like kind of says it under her breath. And and Chelsea's like, what? And- you know, he then says, you know, she basically said that I would choke when I saw her. And again, at this point, I don't, he doesn't have his phone. Like he had not seen Jessica yet. He's saying that partially wanting to see her response, which this was this was the thing that she had been dreading. So to then hear him say that, it like sends her into a mental tailspin. And from that moment on, the whole it's a, the whole tr- they were just like so not each other's people that like of course it was going to be a disaster but i specifically think that being a conversation that happened so early on did a lot of damage for the way she was viewing the whole situation
1: what about when they are first in the hotel room it is literally their first conversation of vacation and he says to her oh i honestly forgot what you looked like well right because think about it like this
0: Obviously, a lot of what she was voicing signaled, you know, her not feeling entirely secure in herself, which again was partially her issue, was partially a him not giving her what she needed issue. Think about what was going on in her head that she didn't say. Like, think about how much mental and internal strength she had to be exhibiting in order to kind of just like talk herself through the whole thing. And so I think when he made that comment, all of the work that she had done to like self soothe immediately went up in flames because it was like, oh shit, you know, here I was telling myself there's not going to be that much emphasis on it. There's not going to be that much emphasis on it. And then here he is saying like, oh yeah, here's the first time I'm getting a good look at you. Like, I think that
1: I, I feel that she was immediately unsettled. I think so too, for sure. I mean, and he just didn't know how to settle her. Like, cause he didn't know how to settle himself. Right. But, like, even in a situation, like, he is just the type of person where you can tell, like, he kind of just always says the wrong thing. And so I think even if he was really into her and really confident in his decision and, like, actually, like, wanted to be with her, actually, like, wanted this whole life that they had planned together in the pods, I still think... Everything that came out of his mouth would have been incredibly triggering for her because he just doesn't know when or how to say the right thing, especially to somebody like Chelsea, who is incredibly insecure. He does not think before he speaks. And it's not just that he says the wrong thing sometimes because he's not thinking. It's like he specifically always ends up saying the exact opposite of what she needed to hear in that moment. What about the clingy conversation? Well, what about the fact that before that clingy comment is even made, they're talking about Jessica and him seeing Jessica. And he's like, no, I I, like, it wasn't really like that. The Jeremy just showed me her picture. And like, he said, dude, she looks like a Kardashian. And like, I just, you know, I just saw it like, oh my God. Like, why are you going to say to her? I saw her picture and somebody else said she looked like a Kardashian. Right, but that is why I'm saying to you, we saw the way she actually reacted. Imagine what was
0: going on in her mind. And by the way, what would have been going on in her mind no matter what? And then there's cameras there. Like I, I just I I cannot express to you enough how much I felt she needed to be
1: internally talking herself down. That was one of like the crazier conversations. Because by the way. Not only does he say the thing that just triggers her more than anything else, which is the clingy thing, which, by the way, just to call back to their previous conversations and something that his friends say, which we'll get into in a second, because that happens after this conversation, is like, he's like, oh, I need that. Like, I need somebody to really validate me and I need to be the one to take the lead 100%. And like, I need kind of a girl who's obsessed with me. So obviously, it's her insecurity speaking, but she also thinks she's doing the right thing by him and like giving him what he wants. And so, They have that whole thing. He says the most triggering possible thing to her, which is the clingy comment. And then he goes as far to say, which he should never say to anybody. The clingy thing is like one thing. I can understand it coming out. I can understand you trying to express the way you feel and like saying the wrong thing. But when he says the thing to her about like, well, I also wanted to take a step back from having sex and like you were the one that initiated it. It was like, it's one thing to need space. It's another thing to embarrass her on a level that like is that that deep
0: and the the three in a row like the kardashian clingy sex triple homicide triple
1: homicide but by the way like that's why i was so frustrated with her because the next morning they have this whole conversation where he's like yeah i need i know i need my delivery better it's like it's not about delivery delivery is the way you say something but then standing by the thing you say like you said the worst possible thing. It had nothing to do with delivery. And she's like, yeah, you do need to be a little bit kinder in your approach to me. It's like, she just said the three things to you that would have literally triggered you more than any other three comments that could ever be made. And now you're like, okay, no problem. And he left.
0: Wait, I just want to say in response to him leaving, I don't think that was the craziest move. I don't either. Like she she was the one who initially said, I'm going to go. Obviously she didn't end up going. But I, I think that they, first of all, like the fact that they were even living together in the first place was fucking crazy. You know, I know it's for the show, but like, I, I, I got it. Like, I think it was necessary for both of them to have space for that night. Realistically, if they were not them, should they have maybe talked it out and like, you know, spent all night making sure they weren't going to bed upset? Absolutely. But These are people that met each other, what, two weeks ago?
1: Right. Like, I do think if you get into a fight with somebody you met a week and a half ago, like, you should probably leave 100% of the time. And they're the one that, you know, gives the
0: idea of maybe needing space for the night. I don't think it's the craziest thing to go back to, like, your great studio apartment that has a washer dryer in the closet. Like, I was fine with that in the scheme of things. That wasn't making me mad. I, I want to say, because, like, I think sometimes we, it is our tendency, of course, to, I don't want to say side with the woman, but like, of course we see it from a woman's perspective and, and can so deeply feel some of what she, and not just her, just in general, some of what the women on the show were feeling and expressing. And like, you never want another woman to experience those shitty feelings, like from a man that you ever have. So I, there's like a lot of empathy there in a way that I don't believe men can have towards women. And specifically, I mean, the way she's been dragged on social media and like, yes, she seems to be handling it well, but I think behind that exterior, it's got to hurt because you're just a human being. All of that aside, like I have a lot of compassion and empathy for her. And also if I'm calling it 100% like it is, I also think she happens to be very annoying in the way that she delivers some of what she says. I have no problem with her being emotional. I completely agree. Never apologize for those emotions. I think it's great that she expresses how she's feeling. I never think she should hold it in. But also there is a part of her that I believe is just like, yes, a little annoying in the way that she communicates. It's not a, you know, no one's killing her for it. It's not a terrible thing. But I, I, I if I'm going to be hard on him, I also want to acknowledge, like I I can
1: understand feeling annoyed by her at times. Of course. I mean, like literally, of course. I mean, that's why the dynamic was so interesting to observe because it wasn't a 100% a situation where you were like, this guy is the fucking worst. Like, yeah, he is the fucking worst. But also, like, she was no walk in the park either.
0: No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think either of them were. You know, so great. If I'm being my most honest. And by the way, what a bizarre thing to introduce her to his two girlfriends who he's only known for two years. Who, by the way, in the preview for next week, we see her saying, "You slept with her." I know you did. And of course, the show is setting it up to make us think that it's Jessica. I could be wrong, but I. I just think there's no way. Like, I don't think, I just don't think Jessica's doing that. I I feel like she's saying that about one of his
1: friends. What do you think? I put that in the notes that I think it's one of the friends too. I mean, by the way, when they go for this meeting, it's his two closest friends, keeping in mind that this is like their version of doing a family meet. So it's like the two people that he is picking that are the closest to him for her to meet during this. And she's like, oh, how long have you guys been friends with him for and they say two years i was like get the fuck out of here and then by the way they're sitting there and they're like oh we raised him right like he's our brother i'm like you guys are fucking lying like you guys obviously have known each other for two years you obviously don't feel that way like there's a little bit more here that's god there's no way that it's about jessica right i don't think there's no way i just think they're very obviously setting us up for it to be the case i mean listen here's the thing The one thing that I will say about this season is that I think overall they do a much better job with the editing than I would have expected. And I think the moment that everybody's pointing to in terms of that being the case is when you have AD and Matthew in the pods, AD somehow starts falling for Matthew. You like kind of start to believe that maybe he has this like separate side of him that like AD was able to crack. And then all of a sudden, Amber comes into play. He's saying all of the same stuff to her, but you've never seen a conversation with Matthew and Amber. So it's like the plot twist of a century where it's like, I look back at the moment, I look back at some of the other editing decisions they made and I'm like, oh, they've done an excellent job so far with the way they have progressed this story along. And so I do think that potentially that fight was some artful editing, but it is going to come back to be one of the friends.
0: Wait, no. I'm sorry if we're on the topic of AD. I have to tell you, the moment when Clay found out that Matthew was the other guy, I think was one of the funnier moments of the entire season. Like, she, he No, could not, no, no, no. She could have said anyone else. The fact that it was motherfucking Matthew, he was like, I know. I know you did not just say that.
1: No, the way that I felt about it was like, I never support a man yelling at a woman. Like I never support him getting angry. However, (laughs) that was obviously the correct reaction. Like if I was him, I would be, especially Clay who was objectively the best looking person in the pod. So it's like, for him to hear that the girl that he is the most interested in that is having these amazing conversations is also falling for this other guy. And it's like, okay, who am I up against? Like, let it at least be Trevor. No, it's fucking Matthew, like serial killer one of two. By the way, how they casted two serial killers on this show is beyond me. Beyond me, beyond me. No. You're going to tell me there are background checks and then you have Matthew and Jeremy on the show? You're lying. Who's your background no, but- check guy?
0: <laughs> Jeremy's Matthew with two Roombas. You realize that, right? That's the only <laughs> thing separating them.
1: <laughs> no, because I know Matthew's got three. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, I, okay. Oh my God, I have so much to say. I have so much to say. I need to transition for a moment because, oh, listen, obviously we're going to come back to Chelsea and Jimmy. Like, I think that that's just always going to be, I mean, for the rest of my life, I'm going to come back to Chelsea and Jimmy. <laughs> I want to transition to AG and Clay for a moment. <laughs> Okay, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, there are two things you probably know about me. The first is that I am a diehard OG Skims fan. Like, There have literally been times where we've had to pause a recording because a certain product dropped that I needed to buy. And second of all, you know, historically, I kind of just never wear a bra. So what we're talking about here is kind of merging those two things. Because listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm never going to be a daily bra wearer. It's just not in the cars for me, never has been, never will be. However, there's recently been more events that I've kind of had a lot of weddings and just there are some times you got to wear a bra. And when I tell you, Skims is changing the game for me because that same comfort that I talk about with the underwear or the loungewear, they did that with the bras. And recently in the past month, I've worn the fits everybody t-shirt bra and the no-show balconette bra. I had to wear that one to a wedding under a dress. And like, it was the first time in my life where number one, I wasn't miserable. And second of all, I didn't come home and just like immediately want to take it off, which I'm telling you, it was a foreign concept for me. They're just so comfortable. It's like, I really felt like I was wearing nothing. I'm, I'm such a fan of everything that they make. So I guess it makes total sense that I love the bras, but like, I'm telling you, you will have the same experience. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. Plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. Definitely do that. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows when on the hunt for a new apartment we obviously all have things that are kind of non-negotiables for us i would say for me top of that list is probably natural light just because i know myself i know i'm more productive throughout the day i'm honestly just happier throughout the day when i'm getting a lot of natural light and it's important to know what you want and then really to be able to get that you know this is your space that you're living in so apartments.com has helped millions of renters find their perfect place with powerful search tools to help find a rental listing that checks all your specific unique boxes So first of all, they have 3D virtual tours. So when you can't be there in person, you can take a tour of your possible future home, which is huge because it's one thing for someone to send you photos or to tell you about it, but really to be able to do kind of a virtual walkthrough to me is huge. Also, apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet, and they have amenity filters. So you can make sure your possible future home has all the amenities you need, whether that's in-unit washer, dryer, air conditioning, dishwasher, balcony. For me, in my next place, in-unit washer, dryer is like... Hands down, very, very high. So visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. First of all, as far as I'm concerned, she's like the girl you'd want to be friends with the most, I think. I think so too. So I have so many thoughts because for whatever reason, I don't know she was seeing something that not one of us was seeing. Like she had a connection with Matthew and like... <laughs> so be it, I have nothing more to say on that. obviously, it didn't happen. but when the connection with Clay progressed, you know, on some level, I could understand it and that like they had good banter it it did seem natural. like there was a connection, but i and I know that this is the thing that they both pride their relationship on the most, the fact that like they worked through that issue in the pod and you know, he feels like she's making him a better man and and she feels so honored that he's willing to be a better man for her. But to me, I'm like, they have never even met, and he's going off like that. I cannot. Th- this is you're, this. You're coming from me, right? The girl who was rocked by Travis Kelsey yelling at Andy Reid. Like, there's no fucking way. I've never even met you, and you're getting this heated. I don't. I don't. I think that there is a real issue with people, and specifically women, uh, equating like uh, anger with passion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, I, I just wanted to be like to her, like you are such a catch, like aside from being beautiful and confident and f- so fun and just like has such a, uh, ease about her. I just find her like, forget about even with the guys, just like you can tell when she's with the women, like that's the girl you want to be friends with, you know? And like, you don't need, you do not need to be putting up with this Like I didn't want for any of them to, the goal of wanting to walk out of there with someone, go above being treated the way they deserve to be treated, which obviously we find out later on when they're in the Dominican Republic. And she says like, you know, I I still don't feel like I'm deserving of love. And I recognize that a lot of that comes from her childhood trauma and the way her dad treated her and obviously, you know, losing her dad. And and even though to her, she didn't feel that was that upsetting, but just the entire idea of like, that piece of her life not being fulfilling and then being gone. Like, I I understand what she was saying, but I also wanted to be like, this does not need to be your reality because frankly,
1: he's not a bad guy, but he certainly does not deserve you. It's so interesting because the role that the Matthew of it all actually played in the clay of it all can't be ignored. Whereas she immediately recognized, right? That clay was somebody where it followed a very typical pattern of her relationships. Like the jock, the smooth talker, like all of those things she immediately recognized. It's not like he was talking to her and she felt like she was falling for somebody new. It was like immediately the second they started talking, she was like, I like him. I'm attracted to him. There's amazing banter, but I also recognize this pattern of behavior. So then what happened is she also has Matthew where she's like, oh, wow. Wow here's this guy. I've never dated anybody like this before. Like I've never gone for the nice guy. I've never gone for the guy that I had to like break out of his shell that like is seemingly so harmless. Maybe this is the way to go. Then when her attempt to deviate from the norm completely backfired, it was like this moment of, okay, well, this is why I I stay with my typical pattern of behavior. Like, I knew I was right to feel this way. I knew I shouldn't have gone for something else. The thing that both Matthew and Clay weirdly have in common is that they both picked up on this piece of AD that clearly exists, which is that I can fix him. And so with the Matthew thing, it was so far gone, she didn't even want to attempt to fix that because he hurt and betrayed her in a way that was almost made her question who the person she almost fell for was. But with Clay, it was just enough to like, okay, I'm going back to what I know to be true. I know what my norm is and I know where I feel the most comfortable. And then on top of that, I think I can fix him. And it was like, that was the perfect storm for her. Perfect storm. And let's not pretend like the, you know,
0: I can fix him thing is not the most relatable thing ever. Like a lot of us love a project or think that we love a project or formerly identify as loving a project and then had a situation that really fucked us over to the point where we never want another fucking project in our lives. Like it, you fall under some category, but I, I do think at times the idea of feeling like you can be the person to, to help change this person can feel so enticing. And breaking free of that pattern
1: is the most liberating thing in the entire world, I truly believe. Well, especially when the other person is then validating What you are already feeling. So it's one thing to be like, I can fix him when the other person who you're fixing is saying to you, like, you are fixing me. Like, I've never opened up in this way. I've never felt this way. I'm acknowledging all of these patterns of behavior. Like, it's not just that you feel like you're doing something that is like exciting for you and you fall into that trap. It's like, I'm doing it and it's working. Well, and also the fact that. In the real world, it never happens this quickly, right? Like you're it's dating, I fixed
0: him <laughs> in a day, right? Exactly. Most of the time, you're dating a guy for a year, and then oh, he starts going to therapy, and now he starts this that. You're like, oh shit, it's really working. This just she's like, what three days in, and she's like, oh my god, imagine what I can do in a year, you know? Right. I mean, exactly, he, exactly. He was, you know, really, really validating that for her, and and then he was in turn making, and he was genuine in this. Like he wasn't bullshitting her. He wasn't. I. have I, Truly feel that he meant this when he said, like, you know, that w- that was the quality of hers that he was the most drawn to. First of all, of course it is. Like here, you have someone who is not judging your poor behavior and only there to support you and lift you up and make you feel confident and seen in moments when your ego is really getting in the way. Like, yeah, of of course that's what you know you love in her. But it was being built up by him for her as though it was this like spectacular, extraordinary quality of hers, which like of course you're going to think so if you're him. You know what I
1: mean? It was, like to me, what I want to say to her is like, the call is coming from inside the house. A million percent. And also the aspect of their relationship that we have to discuss is like, first of all, I do think that he's genuine in terms of like wanting to be a better person. Like I don't think that he's bullshitting her. I don't think he's bullshitting himself. Like I think he genuinely wants to be a better person, wants to you know, break down some of his barriers, be a little bit more vulnerable, be a little bit more open. Like, I think those things are very true. At the same time, he also wants to set the scene for like cheating is in his DNA and like, it's, it's going to happen, but like, it's not his fault.
0: No, as far as he's concerned, it is hereditary. Like you got high <laughs> cholesterol,
1: you got high blood pressure, you cheat. Yeah. Like the, like the cheating, it's, it's it's literally one of those things for him where it's like, I'm just letting you know in advance, this is going to happen. But like, I don't want to do it. Like it's against my will, this cheating. I'm going to slip fall into somebody. And I just need you to know that like it was an accident in advance. No, he goes to the doctor and (laughs) pre-existing
0: conditions. He writes down (laughs) cheating, family history, cheating. Like that is, no, I, I believe I, here's the thing. I actually believe him that he believes it is like in his DNA to a point where it's unbreakable. And by the way, I mean, I know we talked about this jokingly, but let's not ignore the fact that as he said, his father took him on these cheating escapades, like, which I cannot even imagine the confusion that you feel as a child, specifically as you get older and start to really understand. And then the guilt that you may carry, he even said to AD, like there are some things I haven't even told my mom, you know, what an absolutely disgusting to position to put your child in. So, yeah, obviously it's not like factually in his blood. He, If he wants to not cheat, he cannot cheat. But you know, it's literally what he's seen and has been accustomed to from a young age. And I think that is influencing part of him saying that. The issue is that consciously or subconsciously, what he is doing is just setting her up to feel less shocked when
1: it eventually happens. Right. That's exactly it. And by the way, that's exactly what I was saying before too, is like, I do think that he wants to be better. Like, I do not think that this is some bullshit line that he's feeding. I think that he is very aware of his demons. I think that what he has described in terms of his dad cheating is very traumatic for him. I mean, like you said, him being brought on those trips and those excavates where he, where his father's cheating on his mother, and then he is expected to not relay that information to his mom. And then he has this forced position of guilt between not telling his mom what's going on and also not wanting to betray his dad who he views as a very good father with this one overwhelming thing aside, like it's a very, very difficult and traumatic position for him to be put in. And so I do have this feeling with Clay where like, It's not that I'm rooting for him in AD because I'm not. I think she deserves so much better, but I am kind of rooting for him. Like, I do think that if he is willing to put in the work and he really wants to do that work on himself, he will have unbelievable results. I think so too,
0: especially because we've seen he's an ambitious person. Obviously, he's a hard worker. I think that if he were to shift his mindset a little bit and view like, Working on himself with the same goal setting mindset that he sets in terms of his sales goals at work, like he could probably see a lot of success. I just think she does not need to be there for the ride. Like if hypothetically he can do the work and show up as like a fully formed person who feels a lot more confident in his ability to be faithful and a lot of other qualities, and they want to try it again, absolutely. I just I don't think it's a fair match at this moment. And as a side piece, which like obviously doesn't seem to bother her. I'm just speaking for myself cuz of course you watch this and like you you think, you know, through your own lens of like could I date any of these people? He, he's very very hyper. You know, yes. like he he has a hard time just sitting like with his thoughts and even when they were in the Dominican Republic, did you see that moment where they finish and he starts stacking the plates?
1: No, I didn't. <laughs>
0: They're, okay, they're sitting at the end of the meal. It's when they start to have that conversation, you know, when he's just like, you know, in, in his head. And she asks, she's like, there's been a mood change. But before that, he just starts stacking all the plates. Like they're finished eating and and he is is putting them together. I know some people just do that. But to me, that is like so indicative of just an inability to kind of sit still. He
1: does. And somebody I saw at TikTok was like, Clay never met a silence he didn't want to fill. Yeah, and I think- I don't know. I just felt like she, listen,
0: we don't know everyone well enough. Like no one's saying that she's perfect. But to me, it feels like she's showing up to the relationship with a lot less to kind of work on.
1: Yeah, I think so too. At least in terms of how it impacts him. I I really think so too. (laughs) When they were fighting in front of his mom though. I actually found that to be
0: pretty honest. Like I actually, I was happy
1: that he, couldn't control himself because his mom should see that totally. And it's one of those things where you're watching it and you're like, Oh yeah, let his mom see. But then for a second, you're like, wait a second, you guys only met two weeks ago and you're fighting in front of his mom and sister. Like this is the weirdest scenario you could ever be in.
0: And the thing that they're fighting about again, is like such a logistical challenge. Of course it's, it's more deeply rooted than that. Cause it, you know, puts into question values and priorities and how you choose to spend your time, whatever. But like, yeah, obviously he's not going to choose you who he just met a week and a half ago over his job that like right. literally is the reason he was able to buy this house. Like that's the piece of this show that you is so <laughs> is so hard to wrap your head around because like it would actually be quite foolish of him. <laughs> this this early, imagine in any other circumstance, you've been dating someone for what, 2 weeks and you're doing something that you think will maybe make you less capable at your job the next day for this person. Like, it's uh, – Jimmy wasn't about to do that with Chelsea, I'll tell you that much. No, Jimmy was certainly not about to do that with Chelsea. By the way, a year in, Jimmy wasn't about to do that with Chelsea. No. What about, by the way, so, so many things. When they're at that, you know, meetup with all of them, So, which – wait, hold on. Oh, that my God, we didn't so even t- talk about that. No, there that was
1: so chaotic. Wait, are you referring to – First of all, the whole meetup was chaotic, but the, 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 the moment where, where Jimmy says to Chelsea, oh, AD's stacked. It's like, why would you say
0: that to her? No, no. I actually, first of all, it's just as a side, I did find that there was like a, a sexualization of AD going on. Overall. Overall in that episode that I really did not like. And I understand a lot of it was in a joking context. And, you know, she was responding well to it. Obviously it was like under the basis of being complimentary,
1: but it was almost like, why do you feel so comfortable to say that? I know, I agree. But what's interesting is that exactly that is the moment that I had with Clay where I was like, again, I'm not rooting for you and AD to be together, but like you do have a lot of these moments of clarity and understanding that I think if you really put the work in for yourself, you would come out better on the other side of, because he immediately says when they're in the pool, like, you know, I'm really feeling AD, I'm really attracted to her, but I also don't want to overly sexualize her. And for him to have that moment of like understanding that that is what he was doing, or that is potentially what he could be doing was, uh, was definitely a moment of self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. I
0: think that I, I'll actually go as far as to say a lot of them had moments of self-awareness because, I mean, and a lot of them didn't, but you you ha- you kind of are forced to in a way with this
1: show. I mean, I would not say that Jeremy had any moments of self-awareness. I am not in a place yet where <laughs> I'm mentally prepared to talk about Jeremy. because I, I feel like as a whole reaction-wise, like- We, as the public, are not talking about Jeremy enough. Why are we still talking about Chelsea? Like, she doesn't look like Megan Fox. Let's all move on. Jeremy needs to be on an FBI watch list. Okay. First of all, you
0: know what? Let's take an ad break. Okay. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice-cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time, with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024. Void where prohibited. which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, I mean, listen, the first thing that I want to say about Jeremy is that since the show came out, there was a lot going on on social media that apparently, allegedly he had an ex fiance that they split and then sold their home right before the show. Both the ex-fiance and her mom have kind of been coming for him on social media. It, like It was a whole shit show to the point where he made a video explaining himself. We'll put the link to these people's profiles in the description just in case you somehow haven't seen this stuff. But it, it was like a lot. And it's kind of like his side, her side, the truth. I don't really know exactly what went on. And to be honest with you, I don't care. I don't don't give a shit. Like, whether he ever had a situation going on at home or not makes this 0% more interesting to me. What we saw just on the show is worthy enough of like severe analysis. I
1: could not agree more. So, (laughs) here's the thing. Yes. I love when you hit me with the here's the thing. What's this fish about to say? The one thing that I feel like we have to say to start is like, I got bad vibes from him immediately in the pod. Like from the second that he was doing, I don't even fucking know, talking about statistics, I was like bad energy here. However, I feel like the Jeremy that existed in the pod and the Jeremy that existed in the real world, while both not my favorite people in the world, felt like two completely different people.
0: Well, the Jeremy outside of the pod just had more world to work with.
1: But even like they look differently, like all of a sudden the glasses went away and he was a different person. The glasses turned into sunglasses. Like, I don't know. It was just like one bad vibe to one bad vibe, but like a different bad vibe. It was very confusing for me, I feel like. Well,
0: in his defense, she did kind of ban him from wearing glasses. Sure. Her (laughs) ics were glasses and Hawaiian shirts, which like... Listen, here's, here's the thing that we have to be really cautious of, which I know it's very hard to do when you have such a strong feeling one way. We, like me and you and all of us, cannot fall into this pattern of like not being able to stand one person so much that then the other person gets
1: glorified. Because Laura ain't no saint. She's not. But should he have been wearing Hawaiian shirts? No. Is, could he wear a shirt that wasn't a Henley? Yes. Like, I don't care how thick your neck is. I just, I just feel
0: like, just hear me out. Hypothetically speaking, okay? And and I have, it is not at all in my blood to defend this man. I I cannot stand him with every fiber of my being. He is like antithetical to anything I would ever want to spend time with as as a platonic or romantic or a person sitting next to me on the subway, like anything. That being said, imagine if the roles were reversed and he talked to her about something she was wearing that she got enjoyment from the way that she did. I'm sorry. There's a gentleness there that you have as a responsibility as a partner that she completely lacks. And I understand a lot of that was wrapped up in their banter and it's a little spicy back and forth. That's what works for them. I get it. But also, and she said this, it's not me putting words in her mouth. She she suffers from like an overwhelming ability to get the ick so much to the point where she typically writes someone off for it. It's something that she wants to work through. She cannot allow that issue that is one within herself to then translate into just delivering
1: it in like the meanest way. A million percent. Like she came in with a list of rules. And first of all, by the way, the thing that I was really like (laughs) focused on during their interaction was when they're discussing like what non-negotiables exist for the both of them. And she's like listing all of these things about like, you know, no dishes in the sink, no this, when you're cutting of shaving your beard, when you're spitting, when you're doing, like all of these really specific things, which like, first of all, it's like, why don't we like tackle any of these issues as they come up? Like we don't need to set all of these ground rules ahead of time before he's even like, before you've even spent one night together. But then on top of that, he is the cleanest motherfucker this side of the Mississippi. So you've now set all of these rules of things that, he cannot do without knowing literally anything about him or like the extent to his cleanliness. She kind of dug
0: herself into a hole because here she is setting up all these rules. And then she goes into his place and she's like, wait, you're going to be
1: disappointed with my level of cleanliness. Right. Something that I said to you when we were first starting to record, which I want to say again here is like, one of my favorite things is how every single woman has like the exact intuition of knowing when like a man is just a little bit too clean. Like every woman wants a man that is clean and keeps his place in order. And like, it's so attractive to walk into a guy's apartment or a guy's house. And it's like, everything's in place and everything's perfect and it's clean. And you walk in and you're like, oh yes. But then like the second it's a little too clean, every single woman knows like, okay, this is like not okay. Like this is a red flag serial killer territory. And every single woman knows exactly where that line is once they see it.
0: Totally, it's like one of those things you just have to feel. I also think when you start to feel like you're being using the term "watched" is incorrect, but like the way that you fold something is then being critiqued. You're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't like this. Like,
1: I'm, I'm gonna fold the blanket and it's gonna work for you. You know, a million percent. I think overall with the two of them, like the reason that. There isn't as much Jeremy Laura analysis conversation is because overall as a couple like they were pretty boring like she had her set of like extreme rules for like what he could and couldn't wear or do and uh, he like kind of listened to them kind he of them like <laughs> he just like was and like he just like was himself but like the most interesting part of their whole dynamic is a that like. How did she not pick up on how terrible the vibes he was giving off at every single turn? But then the most interesting thing happens, obviously, with the whole Sarah and love triangle.
0: And I got to tell you, first of all, as just in talking about things that have happened after the show, which let me be clear, I recognize we're recording this episode February 25th, releasing it hopefully February 26th, and the new drops come out the 28th. So, like, If you're listening to this anytime after the 28th, what we're talking about like probably doesn't matter. So <laughs> I guess try to listen to it now. But in terms of what's transpired after the fact, like Sarah Ann posted a TikTok and was like, I'm getting so much hate, but like you guys don't even know what went down. Like you weren't there. Like, we're Like being made to set up that he 100% slept with Sarah Ann, right? Which according to her, or at least as of right now, according to her, his novel went down. We're going to see on Wednesday the rest. But I will say Laura handled that, I thought, brilliantly. Mm -hmm. by really making him think that under no circumstances would she be just up checking his location. Meanwhile, she was up at 5 a.m. checking his location. And he I think he believed that uh, the only thing that makes sense for me is that his Apple Watch picked up a location that his phone didn't. Like he probably left his phone in the car, took an Uber with her or went back with her. And his highly analytical,
1: down to a science mind didn't think that one through. I think that's what happened too. I mean, and she called him out, which I thought was a really important moment of like, not just like, is this whole thing bullshit of like you going out at 1045, going to a bar, Sarah Ann being like, all of this stuff is bullshit, but also the fact that you keep putting these things on me so they're like left for me to deal with and you have this clean conscience meanwhile it's like what the fuck am i supposed to do with this information it's like you share your location with me and that's supposed to make me feel good meanwhile like you're out till 5 a.m and now it's on me to like be up in the middle of the night to check to make sure you're not doing anything wrong like you put this dm on me and like you cleared your hands of it because you told me about it therefore you couldn't possibly do anything wrong but meanwhile like you haven't shut it down in the way that it needs to be shut down like That part where she called him out on specifically that behavior, I felt like was so important.
0: It was so important. And you could tell he, I mean, she set it up perfectly so that he continued to dig himself deeper into a hole. And then she came out with the secret weapon of, you know, not only are you lying, you are really lying. And going back to your earlier point about being so glad that the entire cast is from Charlotte, I saw someone who lives in Charlotte post a TikTok that was like, when you're from Charlotte and you know lost and found doesn't even have a parking lot
1: the bar that he said he was in the parking lot of. And I was like, oh, that is some local tea. I loved their decision to do that. It's actually my favorite part of the whole show because it made it. So not only in the moment are there things that revolve around this life in one specific city, whether it's Charlotte, Atlanta, wherever they had filmed in the past, but then also mutual friends exist. People come out after the show. It's harder to hide things. Everybody's connected. Like that's when we get the best reality TVT. Totally. And also, I mean,
0: listen, if I'm going to be honest, could I spend this entire time talking about Jeremy? Absolutely. I don't necessarily think it's the most productive use of our time. Like there's a difference between analyzing and then just straight up talking shit and like,
1: what, what, you know, uh, yes. Yes, I guess. I mean, I've called him a serial like five times, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, I, I mean, he even put put up a post. It was like, okay, we get it. Like, you know, and, and that's how I feel. It's
0: like all these people at the end of the day, number one, they're human. And number two, if they weren't so terrible, we would not get this level of entertainment. So right. like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your services. Uh, so anything that you thought about him, I thought about him too, if not more, but just moving on for a second. What I think is really interesting is that pre the episode where Laura confronts him about the Sarah Ann meetup, she meets up with Jessica, right? And this was only at this point, Sarah Ann had just sent the DM and he liked it. And so she's talking to Jessica about how upsetting it was, how, you know, she's not so mad at him for his reaction, but more so how dare Sarah Ann. And then it immediately transitions into the conversation about Jessica saying that, you know, she would want to have a conversation with Jimmy and would want to see Jimmy, which, I mean, they're going to see each other because of the show. But the way that Laura was so encouraging to that as Jessica's friend, yet when she was on the opposite end of it, meaning the position Chelsea would have been in, she was so horrified, I think was a very interesting moment of like, hmm, don't love when it's happening to you though, huh?
1: Exactly that, yes. Exactly yeah. that. I. By the way, I cannot believe, I'm sorry. First of all, I did not think that Jimmy's voice was that attractive at all. But then the fact that they're having this conversation, Jessica can see what he looks like because he friend requested her and then deleted the friend request. And Jessica's like, no, like I'm still attracted. Like it doesn't matter. And like, it's, it's, it's like about his voice. I would just like close my eyes and listen to him. I'm like, wait, girl, be fucking for real. But that is what I'm saying. It's like, wh- ha- this thing
0: happens on the show and I get it, it's the show where it's like, Everyone just collectively forgets
1: that there's literally 7 billion other people in the world. It's like, this is not your only pod to choose from. Right. Like you guys are out of the pods. Just like, go. I mean, like, I guess they went on it for a reason though. I I mean,
0: when she said the, the EpiPen line and what she had said in her, in her, one of her TikTok videos is that like, It kind of just came out, but it dropped because earlier in one of their conversations, he was talking about having an allergy and needing an EpiPen. So it was kind of a callback. It wasn't like she just randomly dropped EpiPen. Like you could feel she said that with her chest and she meant it. And she will stand by that because I do think that at that pool party, like it's,
1: it's going to be rough for him. You just know Laura would have been like, oh, a guy with an allergy is such an ick. You have to get rid of that EpiPen. Literally. Like a peanut can take you out, really? Exactly. Even, do you see when her
0: parents were in their confessional and her dad's like, yeah, you know, if you, if you build her up too much, she'll
1: walk all over you. <laughs> well, and then her mom's like, you guys kind of like talk really harshly to each other. And she's like, you know, just how we are.
0: I feel that, forget about the show, just like generally speaking, I may be not the best judge of that dynamic because like, I recognize banter is amazing. Obviously, who doesn't want that? And bickering, I think, in a lot of ways, can be like a love language. But that type of like shading each other in front of people, I just like that. It's not my thing. It totally works for some people. It's just not my thing. So, like, I am, I think I'm quicker to be like, I don't love that. It feels like there's like something else going on here when sometimes maybe there isn't. I just think in this particular case, it was coming from a root of like not really being able to stand him. I think so too. Totally. You know who we didn't even talk about? We didn't even talk about Trevor.
1: We didn't even talk about a lot of people so far, and we're an hour and 30 minutes into this episode. Well, I told you I
0: <laughs> I could do this for forever. You want to talk about Trevor or Kenneth and Brittany?
1: No, I think let's, let's talk about Trevor for a second, then we'll get into the other two couples that we haven't hit yet.
0: Again, he's another one. We're now after the show, apparently allegedly he had a whole girlfriend before and, and the sweet guy persona is not what it was. I, It's not that I don't care about that. I I just think it's so much more fun to talk about like what we're seeing on TV. I'm down to ignore the girlfriend aspect for a second. Just for purposes of this conversation because when we were watching it, we didn't know that. What did you think of, no, i just like, what did you think of Trevor? Um, I thought he was sweet and in in touch with his emotions, but like,
1: I wasn't like thirsting over him in the way everyone else was. What about you? No, I agree. So my thing with Trevor is like, first of all, I think he's a sweetheart. You know what I mean? Like I, girlfriend thing aside, let's pretend that doesn't exist for a second. From what we saw on the show, like I do think he's like mush on the inside, like adorable, very sweet, was one of the brighter spots on the show, like a hundred percent. The thing that I'll say about guys like Trevor is it kind of gives the same thing as like, follow me for a second, different, but you'll, you'll get what I mean in a second. It's kind of like the Matthew thing where like guys who are like, well, I'm the good guy. Like girls never go for the good guy where it's like, you're not a good guy. First of all, Matthew, you deeply hate women. Like you're not a good guy. And calling yourself a good guy doesn't mean that you're a good guy. That's kind of how I felt with Trevor, where it's like, like literally God bless you. You're adorable. You're so sweet. like, When you come on and you're like, there's so much more to me, all of these other sides of me, like you you typically don't have that many other sides of you. Well, like, and one example that I think is so important to bring, is so important to bring up because I actually think this is one of like the funniest moments of the whole show is like this very sweet moment where he like gives her this rock that he he is for some reason taking home to home with him. Like he has never moved without taking this here rock with him. And he's like... (laughs) And he's like, and you know, it's engraved, so it's like Braille and like love is blind, and it says love, and it's just like love written on it. Like, what he like descri- he describes it as Braille. I literally, <laughs> when I tell you, I was laughing for actually two to three business days about that.
0: He said Braille with his chest.
1: He said Braille with his chest. And he said his <laughs> chest. Like,
0: he meant engraved. He said, he literally just met engraved. <laughs> <laughs> and it is an engraved pebble
1: you got yourself there Trevor <laughs> something that I don't understand by the way because like I, this must have been introduced this was not a thing in season one unless I'm remembering incorrectly but like the gifts like and the ability to get like, where who's the gift provider like how did he wait, get like a custom collar made
0: no wait I loved that I loved this. the sushi days maybe this has happened in the five seasons we haven't been watching god this show kills me it kills me also by the way, you know, everyone's talking so much. Oh, Jimmy's going to faint when he sees Jessica. Jimmy's going to faint when he sees Je- Yeah, he probably will. You know who's going to faint when she sees Trevor? Chelsea. Yeah. Bad day to be Jimmy. Amazing day to be Trevor.
1: Yeah. I mean, he is exactly her type. But by the way, the thing that's so interesting is that she knew that he was exactly her type. Did he ever say his height? I don't think he ever said his height, but he said he was big. Like she was like, "Let me guess, like big." And he was like, "Yeah." And then she guessed the mullet thing. So it's like the exact thing that she describes typically going for, he said he matched up with. And then she was like, oh no, let me just like take the other guy who like is not that nice to me and didn't get me a gift. And like she, also no. was dating somebody else. But
0: he, again, it's because Jimmy happened first. Like that's literally what happened. It was I obviously, think I think, no, you think it's the competitive thing with Jessica. Mm-hmm. I think that. Of it. Yes, I certainly think that's a piece of it. But hypothetically speaking, if Trevor asked her first, I think it would have been a yes. Because when, even when she was talking to her friends, she didn't say no. Like, I she. Don't, I don't know. Also, I have to say, and I know, listen, we all know by now that I have like a, a major heightist thing, but if I'm a guy who's like 6'3, the amount of restraint you have to have to not slip that the way she slipped the Megan Fox doppelganger thing. Right. Well, I see a lot of people that are saying, you know, they think that there should literally be something on the show where like the second you start to mention how you look, that's it. Like you get, you get taken off.
1: Totally. I mean,
0: you saw AD was really firm in that. She said to the girl, she was like, I could have said on five, five with
1: brown eyes and thick thighs. She's like, but no way. I mean, it literally defeats the entire purpose. And we saw that happen with Jimmy and Chelsea. He got so hung up on that Megan Fox thing. That was so nuts. That, I'm sorry. That was That
0: is one of those reality television moments that will go down in history, I believe. I think so too. I would like to talk about Kenneth and Brittany for a moment. Sure. You know, <laughs> a little bit of a silent villain thing going on here, if I'm being honest.
1: Well, I mean, I've just never seen somebody get their phone back and change their entire personality upon making contact with it.
0: Listen, the phone thing was out of control. And that's coming from two girls. From with, us. Like, oh yeah, that's coming with, from two girls with a screen time that we wouldn't let most people see. I mean, I guess it is our job though, but it was the, and I, I know this word gets thrown around a lot, but this is the most deserving case. It was the
1: gaslighting that
0: this man did to Brittany.
1: It was one of the craziest things ever because, by the way, like her entire... Review of him and her entire attraction to him was his attentiveness. It was like, here's this guy who is literally anticipating all of my needs. Like, they're on vacation and she looks and he had set up her flip flops right by her feet so that when they were ready to go, she just slid them on and walked out. And like, it's like the type of thing where they walked onto the beach and every single other girl immediately recognized that level of attentiveness because it stood out amongst not just the men there, but like men in general. Like it was like the second they saw them together, they're like, oh my God, he's so attentive to you. Is it everything you wanted him more? And she was like, yes. And then the second they're back from vacation, which a lot of people are like, he just wanted the vacation. The second they're back from vacation, it was like he literally turned into a different person. Like there was not an attentive bone in his body. He turned into a different person
0: and wanted to genuinely make her feel like she was crazy for picking up on something that was so obvious. right? Like every you notice every, before their big conversation, every time she mentioned something that could potentially be an issue, he his first response was, well, I just want to make sure that, you know, you're giving me grace, that you're not going to take this one instance and make it as though it's not a larger representation of who I am. What I wanted to say to him was, she has known you for two weeks. She's only going on like, what, eight times? Of course. and, And by the way, these are the times you should be on your quote, best behavior. Of course, she's going to take this as how you are going to be. You haven't even moved out of the fake houses yet. And wait, what about the fact when they're having that conversation and he first of all, gaslights the shit out of her, completely turns it on her when she's like, I feel like you're not craving me. And he's like, well, that's a you thing. Because if you're not craving me, then there's nothing I can do about that. And I deserve someone who craves me. So I'm out. I'm like, okay, wait, first of all, way to flip the script there. But specifically, this was to me was, there's so much, actually, I'm, I'm more mad about this than I thought I was as I'm talking about it. It's like, I had a lot of built up stuff for Jeremy, but Kenneth, you right there with him. When she talks about affection being important to her and feeling as though, you know, while they're still being respectful in terms of waiting for marriage, like she would want some more of that. And she feels that he's not really reciprocating. And he cites waking her up at 1.30 a.m. and her not being receptive when she was dead asleep and he turned the lights on when she had to be up in three and a half hours. Are you fucking kidding me?
1: I thought that was one of the craziest things I've ever
0: heard another human being say. I think she was actually stunned. Like I think in general, she's just such a sweet person and she probably would not respond with rage necessarily. Whereas like <laughs> if that was Laura, she would have fucking cleared his ass. But I also think it was like a little bit of the woman who was too stunned to speak. It, it, it was out of all possible things, that was the last rebuttal that one would have expected. You woke me up out of my REM cycle. You turn the lights on and you expect me to be so appreciative of your being affectionate?
1: Are you insane? (laughs) No. Again, like, I feel like we as the public are not picking up on these moments that are, are worth discussing more than the obvious ones. And that was certainly like the craziest moment of the show. And they're having this full conversation and she's like, we don't really kiss. We've never made out. And he was like, uh, I woke you up in the middle of the night and you didn't want it. Like there was your one opportunity and you let it go. Like, sorry that you're like, you don't know, not to capture a fleeting moment. Like, I'm sorry. Are you insane?
0: Uh, by the way, after you come back from lunch with your mentor at 1.30 <laughs> in the morning and you call you. No, I loved when he said, and I called you between each transition. The no. fuck? No. And and after after he fully gaslights her into. Him deserving someone who really craves him, whatever the fuck that means. He, she's then hysterically crying, one, because I think, you know, she on some level had feelings or wanted to have feelings and was just overwhelmed by the whole process and the fact that he just like turned everything on its head. She's hysterical and he's on his phone. There was not one ounce of him that was even remotely, forget about like loving, that was just had the human empathy of being compassionate to
1: someone who is clearly upset. It was the craziest switch up I've ever seen in my entire life. That was a middle school principal that really wanted a Caribbean vacation. And then once that vacation was over, he was like, yeah, um, I, I didn't mean to do this in the first place. Unbelievable.
0: Un-fucking-believable. Like, I really felt for her because she was, I, I just I just thought she was a, such a sweetheart. And, and listen, thank God they didn't end up together. They clearly were not meant to be together, but she deserved a lot better than that.
1: She oh my deserved God. a lot.
0: It, it was so disrespectful.
1: I, I just think like, I wasn't watching them in the pods expecting this was going to be it for her. Like I, I, when I was watching them in the pods, I was like, okay, like you guys have this sweet thing going, but it's never going to last. I certainly didn't expect him to become the villain of the show. Certainly not. Especially when Jeremy and Matthew are here. Uh,
0: no, insanity. Insanity. I would like to spend a moment on Amy and Johnny. Okay. I would love to. (laughs) I mean, listen, they were a bright spot in that it seemed to be the happiest relationship. Obviously, the thing everyone is talking about is this birth control conversation, which we'll talk about in a second. This, I actually think in terms of things that happened after the show that are relevant and important, she posted a whole thing basically saying, you know, yes, a lot of people had a lot to say about this you know i want to make it clear johnny never pressured me about birth control he was always very supportive he was being honest and that he was frankly uneducated on on all of it she's like i know vasectomy sometimes can't be reversible that's why we mentioned the hesitation yes of course we know about condoms even though it wasn't mentioned but we didn't feel entirely sure in that And she goes on to say that she, and I don't want to read this directly, has a rare genetic hereditary disorder that affects the blood vessels in my body in which I told him that if we ever had kids, my children would most likely have that condition. Something I told him early on because I felt like it was fair to let him know that if he wanted to move forward with me and we did end up getting married and having kids long term, he should absolutely be made aware of that. He never made me feel less because of it and asked questions to educate himself more on it. And when she says, did we think about condoms? Yes, a thousand percent, but we still saw it as a risk at the time. Da, 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 da. So she's basically just saying there was more context to that. Obviously, I think most of us are watching this of like, wait a second, you guys really just went from A to Z there.
1: I was watching this and I still don't feel like after reading that story and her explanation of it that I have the most full understanding of like the lack of acknowledgement of condoms. Like I just felt like that piece to me, I was like... (laughs) You know what I felt like when I was watching them? Like, I felt like we were in the Truman Show and it was like they had this couple set up and they just like were like, okay, and like we're going to remove condoms from the world. Like condoms no longer exist for this one couple. And like we gave them an impossible scenario to figure out how they were going to do this without like the one missing piece that we all have that they, they don't get to have. Like that's how I felt. I was like, guys, condoms, like you're so close to getting it. And it just was driving me crazy watching and I still don't feel like I have full clarification. But all of that to say... I never felt like he was being disrespectful to her. I never felt like he was trying to pressure her. I never felt like he was trying to put her in an uncomfortable situation. I just felt like he was certainly not informed on a lot of areas of, of being a woman or birth control in general or condoms. I still don't get the condom thing. I think he was majorly lacking
0: education in in that realm and also, I think he was terrified,
1: you know, of. Totally. I totally understand. I think he's a sweetheart. Like they're obviously the best couple on the show. Their only plot line was not knowing what condoms were. Right. And I, the thing is, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I just think he's significantly
0: more into her than she is into him, which again, it isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes you want that, but I just wonder how it pans out. Yeah. W- wedding day wise. I thought his family was so sweet. His sisters were like, it was so immediately real, you know, and they just like immediately took her in. You could tell that they vibed. I think he was, I think he's a sweetheart. I think she's a sweetheart. I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about either of them. Other than, by the way, forgetting about like any of us as viewers, forget about the context that she added because of course that's necessary, but just watching the confusion we had. I also think like on a more you could call it superficial, but I actually don't think it's superficial level. The fact that in order to know if they want to actually get married, having sex is important. Like, it's not like these are two people that are opposing having sex for, you know, religious reasons the way that Brittany and Kenneth were. They wanted to, like they were fully planning to. She was the one that said, I think it's important. So to me, that was my thing of like, wait a second. You don't even know what you're working with yet.
1: Yeah, they're a sweet couple. I think like if there was anybody of this season that was worth rooting for that could potentially make it, it's it's certainly the two of them. I think he's a little hyperactive, but like he's a doll. Again, and I know this is like, you know, the whole
0: point of the show and what we're talking about, we have to remove from our minds in order to enjoy it. But it is that whole thing of like, yes, he is great. And I think they have a great relationship and he's a sweetheart. But like, also,
1: there's a million other people in this world if that's what you're into, you know? The thing with this show is that it's set up a little differently from all other dating shows in the sense of like, The basic parameters of it and what you could potentially be getting yourself into and, like, acknowledging the fact that, like, in order to have any sort of success on the show, like, you are basically committing to another person and, like, down to get married within a very, very, very short period of time, like... there's gotta be like a little bit of a missing chip to get yourself into this situation because a lot of the other dating shows, like you sign up for the bachelor. a that's like, listen, there's always the element of like, this is a stepping stone to, to just being on reality TV. And this is a stepping stone to, um, like getting my name out there, which I think we see a lot of, I think there are other dating shows where you can go on and, and you have a better shot at I'm actually finding somebody and it, it breeds more of a success. This is kind of one that feels like a Hail Mary of dating. Like, you know, like I really want to get married. I'm scared. I never will. Like, let me kind of force it within a month period. What's like kind of what's the worst thing that can happen? Right. Like worst case scenario, I get married. That's like my best case scenario.
0: Or worst case scenario, I get a social media following and then
1: have success that way. But this is one where it like feels a little different to me than other dating shows in terms of your willingness to participate and go on it. I just think
0: that the internet is the cruelest place ever. And people's willingness to put out their most vulnerable selves to frankly, an undeserving audience is always baffling to me. You know, like, listen, as much as we want to judge the premise of the show and and all of it, like these are still people being so vulnerable. Oh, incredibly so! And knowing that they're going to be memed and ripped to shreds, and like, I don't, I don't know. I just obviously my first response is like, what could be worth that? You know, like being single is better. But
1: some people, I guess that you know, it, it's not a factor. I don't know. I don't know either. But it certainly creates fucking excellent television.
0: Okay, so imagine these softest sheets you've ever felt, and now imagine them getting even softer with every wash. I told you guys about this company before, but I'm going to tell you again, and I'm honestly not going to stop telling you because they are the best sheets on the market. In a recent customer survey, 96% said that Bolin Brand sheets get softer with every wash, which I didn't take that survey, but if I did, I would have been in the 96% because I am telling you. It's like you've tried them at first and you can't believe that they could get softer, and then they just continually do. A lot of things I like about this company, first of all, they're made with the rarest 100% Organicon and are completely free from toxins. Second of all, they're buttery soft, but also breathable. So they kind of work in any season. They've over 11,000 reviews, 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Their signature sheets come in 13 versatile colors in all sizes. So from twin up to California King, I have them in the color stone. I have the color mineral. I have a waffle blanket. Like I got a lot of things from this company and everything is just quality. I so badly need you to try them so that you can understand what I mean. I'm telling you, I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and everyone I know is hooked. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code is CBC. Exclusions apply, Seaside for details. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of Relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So, first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So, they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So, you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process, so you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it really is designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition, so they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient, there are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline, and it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life, that's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, comments by celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. Wait, the other thing that I wanted to ask you, in like a hypothetical world that we were ever doing this, obviously not with cameras, do you think that we would be good at it? Which I guess you have to clarify what good at it means. I don't necessarily mean in like actually finding a partner, but just the activity of the pods. How do you think we would
1: be? I think you would certainly be better than me. I think that you would be good at it. And I think there's aspects of it that I would be good at, but overall, I don't think that it would be my my strongest experiment, the strongest thing to do for myself.
0: I feel like we would both be really good at like asking a lot of questions, creating like a safe space that the person felt vulnerable in. Like that I feel is a shoo-in. I think I would probably be willing to like be more open than you would be. Not that that's a, a good or a bad thing. I just feel like that's how it would go. But I'm just being honest, like something that I was really thinking about, if I was hypothetically doing this, it may, it may be very aware of how much I value eye contact in flirting. That would be a big, that would be a big problem for me. Like, I think I, I think in a, in a situation where there's a guy that I'm feeling a sexual attraction to, I, I like derive a lot of power from just like intense eye contact. And I think I would feel frustrated and not being able to, to do that.
1: Right. So that's where we would have our issues where for you, it would specifically be like, you would not last one second in that pod with the understanding and knowledge that the other person on the other side of it doesn't know that you have blue eyes. Like you would have to immediately (laughs) tell them, even if it was like the risk of being kicked off the show, like you would take that risk. You would do whatever you can to subtly let that other person know that like (laughs) they are in the, they are in the presence of somebody with blue eyes, like as blue as they can imagine, they are in the presence of it. Like you cannot even fathom the idea that somebody <laughs> on the other side of that pod couldn't know that. My <laughs> issue would be that a, I would not be able to sit down for one second in that pod. I would be running around that thing, like the little energizer buddy. And honestly, I would get claustrophobic and have to leave. There's no windows in it. I would fucking hate being in that pod. <laughs> also, I know for a fact that I it's not, it's not like I would have an issue opening up. I I wouldn't. Like full stop would not open up. And then it's not like like you said, like it's not a good or a bad thing. It's it's in the context of this show, it's like you literally cannot do it unless you're willing to also open up. And like I just I wouldn't. And I also have to tell you that like. Something that I was thinking about a lot while watching is like I foresee a scenario in which I would like accidentally start lying for fun (laughs) because I'm like, oh, they can't see me. I'm just like make up a different persona every time. And like, I don't like, that's like the best way to go about it.
0: I'm so serious. I know you'll never do it. All I want for my birthday, my 30th birthday is just a video of you in this experiment. I don't care who's on the other side. I just need to see it. say that I had blue eyes. (laughs) I need to talk to the production company that does Love Is Blind so I can get a video of you in a pod. There could be no one on the other side. I need a photo of you in that pod. Nick and Vanessa Lachey, if you are listening, this is my birthday wish. I need a photo of Julie in the pod. A photo I I can Photoshop for you. I need the real fucking thing. I actually, in my like dream scenario, it's you and this motherfucking Matthew on the other side. And he asks you to pick a number and you tell him to go fuck himself.
1: By the way, if Matthew walked out on Sarah Ann, he would not last one second having a conversation with me. We didn't talk about
0: this. What did you think about, I think it was, there were two times this was mentioned or maybe more, but it was Jessica with Jimmy where she says like the electricity that, you know, she feels when he talks, in, I'm talking about it, in the pod. And then also the Sarah Ann Jeremy thing when they're talking about the sexual tension, which like is so <laughs> hilarious. Cause like, you are talking to a wall, you know? But do you think that that's a real thing?
1: I mean, it must be. People get catfished a lot. Right, but they know who they're talking to. They have a vi- they have a visual. Like, can you, like, the love is blind experiment. Like, can you be attracted to somebody that you don't see just by talking to them?
0: Or forget about just, I get yeah, I mean, I guess attraction generally. But, like, when they're talking about the sexual tension... Like he specified the, the the difference between Laura and Sarah Ann. They he felt a connection to both of them, but with Sarah Ann, they both him and her both felt this like sexual tension. And that to me is so like I, I don't I don't know. I don't think that the rest of them use that exact term.
1: I actually, if I'm if I'm really thinking about it, I actually think of all of the feelings that were described in the pod. The only one that I could actually see existing after like a short amount of days is sexual tension. Mm-hmm. Cause like it's certainly not love. I don't think that you can claim like you're really attracted to somebody that you haven't seen at all. I do think that the concept of feeling like you are potentially attracted, like there is something there, like your conversations have led to something and maybe taken a sexual turn. And then the fact that you can't see, touch or talk to the other person, like other than being behind this wall, could then breed a certain amount of tension. So actually mm-hmm. of all of the things that exist, I think sexual tension is actually the only believable one.
0: I think you're right. Honestly. Classic. <laughs> no, I really, I do. Because the, every, I mean, every time they said, I love you. <laughs> First of all, my dad was like, no, you fucking don't, you know, for two days. Like that was, the I love yous were, were crazy.
1: The I love yous were actually like distracting. I yeah. was like, I wish that you guys proposed to each other with the understanding of like, we're going to do this for the experiment because that's how the game goes. But like, we obviously don't love each other. They knew nothing. I don't care how many conversations you can fit in in the course of these dates in the pods. You cannot know enough, full stop, that you like know somebody entirely and therefore love them. Like that was insanity. And that multiple couples were like, I love you. No, you don't. I
0: thought what actually was so nuts, and I know that it's not this season specific, I just like haven't watched it in five seasons, when they're, let's say in the Dominican, for example, and like they're in bed together and they're an engaged couple, but like it's the first time they're sleeping in a bed together. And I think it was maybe Jeremy when he was with the guys and he was like, right, and he was like, it's so weird. Like I wanted to go further, but I was like, this is the first time I met this person. Like talk about a, a uniquely bizarre
1: situation to navigate for both of them. By the way, talk about one moment of honesty from Jeremy and then the rest of them being like, so on their bullshit. He's like, did it feel weird for anybody else? And they're like, no, it was so natural. I'm like, you guys are fucking lying. What about when Chelsea and Jimmy are getting ready for bed
0: and she's like taking off her eyelashes and he's like, that is, I don't know. To me, that is so much more vulnerable than sex. Your nighttime routine in front of a guy you just met. Oh, by the way, when, when she's like, He's like, you got any uh, face stuff? I've I've never moisturized my face. Nothing more classic than a guy suddenly meeting a woman and, and feeling as though face moisturizer is this like revolutionary concept.
1: And like they know to ask for it, which is also crazy. Like it's not like he looked over and was like, hey, what are you doing? He was like, oh, I'm in the presence of a woman. Like, let me have a little bit of face moisturizer. Like, I've been dying to like, ask. I like, I haven't put it on my face or like used any sort of self-care since like the last time I slept over a woman's apartment. Like, you can just get it on your own.
0: I know. I, I sometimes I think back the amount of guys that I've set up a full skincare routine for. And now what? They're just like glowing.
1: Yeah. Glowing <laughs> for wild. another woman. That's Yeah, glowing for another woman. <laughs> You have to stop doing that. That is not right. You should not introduce a man to Tatcha until you guys are married. Have sex all you want. but Don't, <laughs> don't introduce them to Paula's Choice. That's, that, is, say- <laughs> that is not a choice, okay? Paula does not how, want that. I was about to say, how
0: am I supposed to forbid someone from trying the magic of a Paula's Choice toter?
1: No, I think that you have to be like... Fully, fully committed, exclusive. Like, you're going to get married, maybe even living together before you give a man a skincare routine. A man should not be glowing for another woman because you spent the night at his apartment a couple of times. Well, there's a lot of men walking around New York City with that. That's what I'm (laughs) saying. (laughs) Well, I think that you could also introduce skincare in stages, right? It's like, okay, like, first time you hang out, like, maybe you teach him about Hydro Boost to keep the tan. Then like, you know, you're a couple of months in, you introduce Tatcha. Like, but Paula's Choice, I'm sorry. That man should not know about putting Paula's Choice on a cotton round until you guys have kids together. And right, does Sarah have a lip mask? God forbid. No, sorry. No, No. that's not. (laughs) No. For somebody else's lips, I don't fucking think so. I don't fucking think so.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. I know we missed a lot. Like, I know we had to because this outline is how many pages? 14 pages. Yeah. 12, 14. I don't even know. But what are you going to do? There's so much. And by the way, we still have more episodes. I know. It's crazy. We're releasing this whole episode that it'll be good for like two days. Like after Wednesday, it's who wants to listen to this? I can't wait to continue to release updates though. I am obsessed. Obsessed to my core. Should I try? Should I try to play? Wait, hold on. <laughs> I when I was watching with my dad, you guys, I was like, recording. he was so vocal, like in a way that I wasn't expecting, like because he, you know, you know, and dads do this, but also, I, I in general, just men do this, of like specifically with housewives, where it's like they act like they don't like it, and then you turn around and they're like standing up behind the couch. It's actually such
1: a dad thing, such a dad thing, and then all of a sudden they're like, this is so stupid, but then like one minute later they have like. An opinion?
0: Right. So, like, my dad was locked in. I I recorded some of it. This is when he was talking about Jimmy and Chelsea.
1: still didn't know that he was going to... He said he loved her, but he doesn't know if he want to marry her yet. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) You know what the funniest part about this is? Mm. The next season's going to come out, we're probably not going to watch it.
0: No, not unless it has this type of a following. Yeah. Well, thank you all for encouraging us to watch. Thanks for being on this journey with us. I know there's a million more things to hit on. If any of your opinions differ, I fully respect them because obviously my opinions could change tomorrow. And I think that's it. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening and letting us do this. And we'll see you later this week.